when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, September 25th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. You're broadcasting from all over North America, mostly the parts from, like, the Middle Eastward, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm Austin Walker joining me today, Patrick Klepek. Half a voice, but I'm here. Half a voice. Rob Zachney also here with a full voice. All the way from the Atlantic seaboard. Oh, In the boy. heart of America. Yep. <laughs> so, Rob, no coastal elites here. What... What happened to you after the podcast? Like, can we get like an update on, on, on like your drinking situation? Like, what 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 occurred to Rob Zachney post pod? Okay. Uh, oh boy, I'd had a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was out in rural Massachusetts and uh, ended up trying to find a place to grab lunch. Uh, my partner really had a yen for sushi, and we ended up in a uh, in a restaurant that we were familiar with, but they found a new location, and it was the most tragic, like, basement hellhole oh, no. uh, we've ever seen. You don't want basement but sushi. It was also full of um, day-drinking country club types who were, uh, let's see, uh, in addition to loudly inquiring after each other's meals and then making fun of its Asian-ness, Mm. Uh, then they were also sort of, you know, just sort of rubbing their hands with glee over uh, the impending destruction of North Korea. Yeah, uh, And all the good things that their good. boy in the White House is going to sort out for America. Uh, so it was a very MAGA lunch. Uh, and then I needed to walk in a forest for about two hours to calm down and uh, get my blood pressure back under control. Uh, so, it, yeah, it turned, it, it, the, the day of merriment kind of came to a screeching halt. Uh, and had to be sort of put back on track. One quick thing I will say, though. Um, so regarding the imperial beverages oh, uh, line of beers and ales, uh-huh. uh, I'm starting to realize it's not my fault this keeps happening. It's <laughs> famous, it's Amer- famous words. Yeah, this isn't me. This is this is a structural issue with American microbrewing. <laughs> like, remember three years ago, three four years ago, it was all like everything's an IPA. Yeah. Everything's going to be hoppy as uh-huh. hell. Like, do you love hops? We're just going to fuck you up with hops. Get hopped. That's hopping into the this old pouch. Meta. That's, oh, we that's, got new meta. <laughs> yeah. So now, E-sports. the new meta is what if beer, but imperial. Oh my god! And so if like I was so I was at a liquor store and, and I really have I really don't drink as much as I used to so I'm, I haven't really like marked this shift as much as I, I might have noted a few You're, years you, ago. Like you you haven't played since version like two or whatever, right? So I'm coming back into it and there's like all these new heroes and like I don't recognize them and I'm looking at these uh, these giant bombers of beer and they're all imperial uh, high oh. high alcohol beers and so it's actually become a little not tricky but like your selection is limited. If you just want, like, a good beer, just a good sipping session every day, hang out, like, 
crack open a cold one with the boys. That is impossible. Because every beer is like, you want to get real drunk real fast? And I'm like, maybe not. And it's like, I got you, fam. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's 2017. You, it's, I'm not trying to hold, hold it against anybody who is like, I got to get real drunk real fast. I don't have time. <laughs> I don't listen. I I opened up my phone today and it said someone in North Korea is like, oh no, we're at war. Actually, actually, that thing he said is basically a declaration of war. I gotta I gotta get that imperial stout in me now, Rob. I don't have time to sip on anything light. <laughs> I gotta. I don't sleep have fast, time and I can't wait for an actual nap to arrive. So I need to force the force, force the issue the with my body. Uh, well, guys. Uh, the American beer industry then has you covered. Like they've been, they like they they predicted, they anticipated where twenty six twenty sixteen would leave us, and uh, now that's where the beer industry lives. God, that's it's good to have the update. Thank you for the for our weekly sip and sesh with Rob Zachney. Uh, <laughs> anyway, now I've got Scotch. with Rob. Now you've got Scotch. Good. Happy Monday, everybody. Scotch day. Uh, what, what, do you, what have you been up to, Patrick? Have you also been spending the, the the weekend walking through the woods and getting angry at Trump supporters? Uh, not the Trump supporters. They get angry at the balls that I shank into the woods when you're playing golf. So like that ah. feels a little bit similar. I channel my energies into uh, uh, to yeah, I had a golf outing with some family this weekend, which I won. Um, Ooh, uh, do I you did, name your uh, golf outings? Yeah, well, it's the Clumpic Open. It's just okay. Uh, it's Is that it. really what you? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so my family, it's like they do four. They do four majors a year. Like they play whenever wow, they can, oh right? My, my dad and his his brothers get out there four like at least four times a year for the majors, which is like the Walker Open, the Walker Classic, <laughs> the Walker Invitational, and oh there's God, a fourth one that I can't remember. Hey, Dad, by the way. Hey, Dad. Dad's listening. So shout outs to to my dad who oh, when he won the good. Classic that year. There's a trophy and everything. It's a whole thing. We it's yeah, a whole we, thing. we have a uh, a plaque in which the the winner each year gets added their name. So I like what's going to happen next year is that my handicap is going to be adjusted because we adjust ah. the handicap. We, we adjust the handicaps in a very severe fashion to try and average out so that because we have a lot of people that are pretty good and then some people that just want to hang out or like come visit family and so we don't right. want to discourage uh, like the inability of someone that isn't very good at golf but maybe has a good day or like a couple good hit holes that they may not win but they'll like be in the middle of the pack and then someone like me who's like pretty average but ended up having like a pretty decent day like my handicap dragged me to to winning so the next right. year my handicap will get adjusted uh, in a way that probably puts me back at the middle of the pack and then I have you just to gotta have practice. A- you got to work on that swing, man. Man, I won one year. I'm done. I'm never playing golf again. <laughs> Your name's it. on that plaque. I'm on the plaque. Like, and it was super funny when uh, when we did the math and it was announced that I'd won. There's just a lot of sighing because they're like, wait, Patrick won? That says a lot of bad things about how we played today. Like, no no clapping for me. No, like, oh, hey, good job. Buddy. Like, you've really put in the effort over the last couple of years. And the fact that you were pretty decent despite the fact you just had a kid this year and you still managed no. to play, like, that's good. Like, no one said it was just outright disgust that I'd managed to make it to the top. So... I'll take yeah. it. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you you got the name on the plaque. That's all that counts. Mm-hmm. In the so end. it sounds like the the Klepik tour is pretty serious. Uh, Austin, are your dad's majors just like him and his brother, or it's like... just him and his two brothers? It's him and it's it's my uncle. It's my uncles Tim and my uncle Larry and my dad. It's three. It's three people, and it's okay. very serious. The Invitational, I think, historically had some wiggle room for additional people, but like the. 
if you were like not there to play for real, you would come on just one of their regular weekend outings. They're like, oh, it's it's a nice Sunday. We're gonna go to whatever the the Maze Landing golf course and like and play there. Maze, no one in the world knows what Maze Landing is. It's a very specific regional <laughs> location in New Jersey. Uh, just like like not a major golf course, just like an all right little golf course. And the Augusta uh, of the Turnpike. <laughs> that's what they call it. Um, and. The you would just go go for that, but like there was definitely always a vibe of like like I never I, I played with them a couple of times I guess as like when I was like a teenager uh, I was terrible I was like completely garbage um, and they were very good sports about letting me hang but like I would never go to a to a major because I don't I really want like they take it super seriously they work on their swings all year they like they have like back pocket strats you know what I mean like they're ready to pull out some shit that they haven't shown off on those regular weekends for the majors they're like oh you didn't know that I've been working Golfing is not fun to be bad at for extended stretches of time. Like playing, no. if, if people have never played golf before, well, I guess people are now more aware of how long it plays 18 holes because of Trump. But uh, yes. <laughs> generally speaking, if, on a good day when a course is like moving fast or there aren't that many yeah. people, like you can do 18 holes in like four, four and a half hours. If it's a busy day, you're looking at like mm-hmm. five or six, depending on how it rolls out. And so like, that's a long time to be miserable. To be bad. And, yeah. and like I t- took my wife one time, she was like, I'm, I want to play on a course. Like, I don't want to just do, like, the, the range and just, I want to see how it is. And I was like, 18 right. holes is a lot to bite off. Just like, that's do not, nine, man. Just do, I had, just. I took away her clubs at hole 14. It was like, you're, you're done. You're, Patrick, you're, you're, was she, she just in a bad she, mode? Like, she, what happened? Well, yeah, like, she was starting to throw the clubs. And I'm like, okay, okay you're done. Well, you're done. Yeah. Okay. So I gave, her, <laughs> I gave her, like, this little tool I have to fish out uh, uh, golf balls from the Wait, water. What? Um, there's like a little uh, a scooper that you can like. Yeah, put no, in your... I'm familiar with the principle. Okay, right, but you took away you your clubs and gave her a tool. Steal people's golf balls? They not. It's not stealing if you hit it into the water. If you were any better, then your ball your ball wouldn't be in the water. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So then she got me like 25 balls. It was a productive afternoon for for all involved. Great, good, good, and great. Oh man. I had more golf. I, you know, golf courses are weird because mm-hmm. they are huge. They're just huge. They're huge, and mostly for rich people. Yeah, like, it's a waste of space. It's it's, it's a terrible waste of space. Uh, the, maybe historically the most privileged of sports. Yes, historically <laughs> super racist, super anti-Semitic, oh super my God, yes. sexist. Uh, I definitely have always taken joy of just like being on a golf course with my family, with my black family, and be like, "No, we're here now. <laughs> Y'all have to deal." Actually, um, that's always been a joy. Uh, but but the the thing that bums me out about them is like there's a version of golf. There's a world in which golf is not a waste of space or where it's like a public good uh, and i think that version is just like there are better parks everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> like i love golf because i like walking around outside i like i like golf because it's not like basically any other sport like mm-hmm. oh i'm gonna hit this ball really far and i'm like I'm, I'm hitting in a direction and there's lots of places where it would be successful if it landed and there's lots of places where it'd be not successful through the first few hits and then like it changes for the for putting where it's like the opposite where it's like there's only one place that i need to get this ball and if i get it anywhere else it's a fuck up i love that duality like there's a lot that i like about it as a sport it just is like buried in this terrible history of land ownership and and racism and you know imperialism and it's fucked but also 
I, I just want to like when when it's time to to for the revolution to come, I'm going to put those the <laughs> the fucking they're up against the wall first, and then I'm going to turn every golf course into a public good. Also, I'm making the choices in this scenario, which is not also going to happen. I I don't think EICs last very long De- either these yeah, days. Definitely not a chance. Uh, the the journalistic intelligentsia ends up <laughs> uh, before the firing squad. But you know when I worked at um when I worked at that horrible golf course ages and ages ago, I think my favorite part about it, like speaking of the park aspect, was like. At the end of the day, after I'd sort of finished up my shift and everyone was off the course and uh, off drinking in the clubhouse and becoming even more uh, the boorish assholes they'd been during the day, yep. <laughs> uh, like the course was empty. And what I loved to do was like just, you know, I would ride the cart out uh, yeah. to the distant part of the car, car course where um, there was like this uh, little like tiny peninsula into this water hazard between three holes and there's a weeping willow on it. And it was just like the perfect place to like just sit down and be utterly alone yeah. in the silence of that, like, it, it basically, basically a park uh, at yep. that point. And it was just gorgeous, and I, I lived for that. It made the, you know, miserable pay and the lousy shift and the lousy people, you know, kind of worth it, because at the end of the day, uh, you're just sort of sitting there, uh, you know, smoking cigarettes and, and, reading and drinking or whatever. beer alone yeah. in the park. Yeah, it was great. Oh, that sounds all right. You guys want to take the rest of the day off and just go hang out on someone else's golf course? Hell yeah. And not play. Just, just no. like, hey, can we pay $60 just to, like, walk around your Just to course? walk around? I got an iPod with me. I'll just put on some music. Shit. Like, I'm just trying to have a good day. That's, I shouldn't say that. Like, New York has some really good parks. I could just go to Prospect Park or Central Park or, like, any of the other really good parks in my city and, and do that there. Um, I should just do that. Not today, because... Danielle is still in. Oh, Danielle just got back actually from Scotland, but but is still off today. Sounds like she got into a fight on on a plane, which is good. <laughs> At least she's equipped for it. She's equipped for it. And I, from my my reading of her breakdown of it over on her Twitter, it sounds like she was in the right, and and she was good that she was there to de-escalate things. It was uh, very. It was like nonstop. Uh, but but Danielle, right? Exactly. So, oh man. Uh, so it sounds like neither of you played any video games over the weekend. I played a ton. Oh, you did. Oh, I yeah. thought you just I got you. lost in the woods or whatever. Uh, yeah, but then I came back uh-huh. and I uh, played video games and discovered that games are good. Games are good. I played a bunch of games this weekend. Way more than I thought. Way more than I have in forever. What did you play, Rob? Uh, so I finally got around, uh, very belatedly, to playing a game called Shadow Tactics. You messaged me about it this morning. We're like, Austin, you should play it's Shadow urgent. Tactics, please. It's urgent. Austin. <laughs> Play Shadow Tactics. I need you to play this game so we can talk about it because it rem- it's like it reminded me a lot of like Samurai uh, Satellite Rain. Uh, Ooh, is the way I would that's put a good it. comparison. Like, yeah, not quite as busy in terms of like an open living city, but sure. like guard behaviors, uh, right? Really brilliantly evoked and realized setting in feudal Japan, where you and your sort of a team of ninjas and yeah. samurai and hunters. It seems like- the com- it reminded me of the Commando series a lot from what I looked at it. Is that a fair comparison? Do people remember what Commandos is? No one remembers uh, what Commandos is. No, Tell me what what show or what Shadow Tactics is. Well, so we talked about it on Three Years Ahead, and it is a lot like Commandos, but I never played Commandos, uh, oh, so I got a lot okay. of shit uh, from uh, Fraser Brown and such about uh, <laughs> not seeing that comparison. But it is like, so it's a real time uh, like stealth tactics game isometric perspective and what you're trying to do is uh 
you know, you're, you're going into a mission, you have to, like, maybe kill four officers, uh, part of this rebel faction. And there's political intrigue in the background, but most of it's, like, you're in this environment, there's guards on patrol, uh, there's different classes of guards with special abilities, and they react to different ways, different stimuli. Some guards will run uh, to any kind of distraction lure. Others will, like, just, like, be alerted by it, but they actually right. react to it, so it's not in your favor uh, to try to use that stuff. Um, and then your team is, it's a bit, it's a bit like Invisible Ink in this regard. Uh, your team members all have different abilities. Mm. And so they play very different roles. There's, uh, you know, your samurai character is much more like the heavy. Uh, whereas you've got this uh, sort of, you know, feral child who's basically like made her life in the woods uh, trapping and uh, thieving, uh, she has like no combat ability whatsoever, but she has a lot of different ways to uh, pull people into different locations and like right. set traps for them. Right. And so you kind of like a lot of it is about seeing the ways you can sort of synergize these abilities and use them to open up paths through the level. There's also a lot of environmental stuff uh, that you can use if you pay attention. So like, you know, if there's a um, you know, if, if there's a boulder on a trail, for instance, there's a decent chance that at some point someone's going to walk below that boulder. Oh, you just push you that boulder push on them. Oh, hell Class- yeah. Classic ninja move. Yeah, and, and guards react different ways to, like, a natural death. They're alerted and suspicious, but they don't, like, immediately sound, like, call for extra guards. Right. Uh, whereas if they find, like, you know, somebody lying in a pool of their own blood with, like, 20 holes cut in them. Uh, then they're going to be like, yeah, we probably need some. We need probably need the guards out. Right. Um, the the big wrinkle is that so most of it's real time uh, and reflexes count for a little bit uh, in this game, but to really it's like an isometric being, map view, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you can rotate the camera around uh, and get a better perspective. And guards have really long vision cones, uh, so it's a lot about like knowing what's going to be seen. Um, but the more advanced stuff you can do is called uh, it's, it's called shadow mode. You can queue up one order for each of your squad members, basically, oh, but they will execute cool. when you would enter. Um, and so you can like have these really intricate, like you know, you hit enter and somebody sounds the lure, uh, which causes a guard to turn around and look away from where your samurai stepping right. out and like, so, like putting a sword through someone's throat. Uh, and then you as a player have to be like, who are you going to control during this sequence to take advantage of this momentary opportunity? You right. know, cause you can't queue up multiple moves. So you have to like, know what your next play is going to be on the back right. of that. And it's like, what's really, the thing really cool. that you could just automate and you know, it'll work versus the one that you need to be the one who hits, who, who like does it yourself basically. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. I'm watching so, a video of it now and there's this moment of just like, you queue up stuff in shadow mode where it's like one person is like uh, kind of a character who can just distract guards by walking up to them and talking to them while another one like is a sniper up on a hill who has like a, an early rifle and who is waiting for that guard's like head to turn the other direction so that they can get a clear shot without being seen or whatever. That's really cool. This seems good. I would like to play this game, this video game. Yeah, it's. Uh, I can't believe it took me so long to get around to it. I think it came out like at the end of last year. Right. Uh, a console version just came out not too long ago. Oh, how do you uh, think? Which, hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how well that works. <laughs> this, I just I, watched I a bunch real... of video of that game. That game didn't look like something I would play with a, with a controller. So, seems like that would be a bit of a reach. Seems uh, rough. But, 
nevertheless, uh, it's it's totally, I think, up your alley. And the other thing is, it's just got a lot of great thematic flavor. The Japanese voice acting is fantastic. Mm. Um, it's 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 good, serious, grown up anime, and not like uh, like you know, school children. Uh, you know, it's not it's you know, it's not one of those. Um, it's not sports anime. Okay, it's not uh, shown. It's saying. not. It's not just like. All right, but listen. What if it was? And what if it was just a Naruto game? That might be okay. Also, I don't I'm know not that a big. It would be. We should see it. I'm just saying. I'm putting it out there. Shadow Tactics Two. Now it's Naruto. Colon. Now it's Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're. It's coming. They just got to do it for mod. me. That's the mod. Thank you. Someone mod that. Then I'll play it. That's it. Um, I played a game that was a uh, pretty pretty interesting. Also from that also had some stealth. Uh, angles to it that was really stressful it's one of the most stressful games i've played in a long time uh it's called echo capital all capitals uh it's by a team x that is some x hitman yes uh, exactly an x hitman uh x men x no the x men killer dolphin exactly uh it is a really cool it is a really stressful game like the thing i want to emphasize is how like terrified i was while playing it so this is a game i've been watching for a little while um and had like very i was very cautiously optimistic about it because it has a really great premise um it is a sci-fi game in which you're infiltrating a place called the palace uh to do some sci-fi shit at least that's what the trailer showed. And the, the big pitch on the trailers was that, was that the palace is this weird sci-fi construct that paid attention to whatever it is you did. So if you were – it's a third-person action game like Hitman or, or something like that, like a third-person shooter. Um, and so if you ran around killing enemies, the enemies who are, who are AI constructs made to look like you uh, would then start to shoot you. They'd learn how to use guns. If you uh, were doing silent takedowns, they could learn how to do silent takedowns. the The trick of it is they only the, the, they can only learn what um, what you do in the light because the whole palace works on this cycle of light and darkness. For the most of the time, the world is bright and lit up by these chandeliers and these sconces and all this other stuff in this very like um, you know Versailles style palace, right? Um, and then when it, every – like on a rhythm, on a cycle, the lights go dark. Everything gets hard to see. Uh, and in that moment, what's happening is that the the uh, the palace is starting to reprogram the AI to learn what it learned from you. But it also means that they can't see you then. And so what I was – what I ended up doing or kind of what the, what the trailer kind of suggested was like, oh, that's when you pull out the gun because that's when no one can see you or when the, the palace can't see you anymore and so it can't learn – to, to, can't teach its soldiers to use guns on you because you did it in the dark. Um, what doesn't come through maybe from that is that like it's all terrifying no matter what it is they're learning, which is fantastic. Like there's a moment when it drops you in pretty early in the game into a room filled with um, with water and then little islands of uh, kind of dry palace flooring that are raised up a little bit. And you just, like, run through that section because you have to go flip a switch to go open a door and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, as you run through the water, it makes the noise and does the kind of, like, shadow effect to show that the palace has seen you walk through water now. And so because of that, the next – once the lights come back on oh, – sorry, in the first bit, all of the guards are just stuck on these islands of floor. Like, they can't come after you in the water because they've never run in water before and because you've never run in water before. Uh, as far as they've seen. And so then, like, the lights come back on, and suddenly they're all charging at you through the water. And it's, like, a really great moment. But it also has made me, like, 
a deeply conservative player in terms of what I'm willing to do. I played through the first hour of the game without killing anyone because I was like, well, maybe they won't attack me if I don't kill anyone. They'll attack you still. They'll still like basically do the one basic attack. I was like, well, maybe I'll get an achievement if I don't ever kill anybody. And like, I, you can't play the game that way because the other way, the other thing that I didn't, it didn't hit me until only very recently while playing is it unlearns things too, based on you not doing something in the next cycle. So, which is a really good twist, right? So it's like, if you do a silent takedown heavy cycle, it's going to learn that for the next run. And then you can use your guns because then it it won't know how to use guns and you can, you can use it there. And then it will, so maybe then you cycle back the other way to start doing silent takedowns again. And it's about kind of managing what it knows based on what you just did. Um, so like in that water section, I think a thing I could have done now that I understand this is I could have let them run at me. I could have run through the water to go flip the switch, waited through a cycle so that they wouldn't try like in hidden so they would forget how to run through water and then run through water on the next cycle again where they've forgotten how to do it. Uh, I think that's how it would work. I'm not 100% sure. That's a fascinating uh, way to tackle that problem we've discussed around Dishonored and the way they yes. build their DLC, which is to build in different sort of powers and yep. – structures to try and force the player to ditch previous strategies or at least encourage them in a different direction but most games just kind of nudge you and sometimes it's kind of a push but it's never a shove or it's never like an explicit box and i think it's i think i'd be curious how that would scale in in a game that was was bigger i wonder if like it can get away with it because it's sort of a tinier more like yeah focused experience but the i like the idea of like explicitly just like taking away avenues from the mm-hmm. player and forcing them to then come up with alternative strategies but exactly. putting it in a like very like it's fascinating the way that the game is upfront about how it's an actual mechanic it's not just oh they're like gonna kind of learn it and it's an adaptive right. ai right. Like, no, no like there's an actual like there's a, a a consequence to your actions and there is it is communicated in the ui in the environment yep. in the yep. art like that's yep. a really interesting and, and way to in cons- the dialogue directly that's the other thing about this game that i didn't expect so like what i expected was i'd be dropped in the palace there would be like very loose story stuff like very like based on seeing those early trailers i thought the the whole pitch was the premise which was just like oh you're going to be infiltrating a spaceship that looks like a palace or something and you're there to rob something and get out right and oh no it goes bad and like there is an element of that here but what i didn't expect is like the first hour of the game the first 45 minutes i'd say are this like super cinematic very stylized very like prestige sci-fi um like uh god i, I like i guess something like the movies that come to mind when I think about this first 45 minutes are things like Ex Machina or Gattaca or, like, it's 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 more high science fiction than that or more yeah. science fantasy than that. But, like, you know what I mean, right? Like, right, right, the, right. the very stark uh, shot composition, very, like, lots of silhouettes. Um, and then the writing is this mature model of science fiction that you don't see a lot of in, sci- in, in video games. You see it a lot in literary sci-fi. You see it a lot in sort of crossover... Um, you know, uh, kind of like uh, art house sci-fi uh, film. Um, you don't see it in in games that often. Like the, there are two main characters. There is this this character who you play as named N, who is like E N. Um, she is like. From what I can tell, like there's all sorts of. First of all, Rob, you need to play this game just for all the the capital, all of the uh, the the proper nouns. Um, she is a. 
not a reclaimer. She is a she is a resourceful. There's a class of people in this world called resourcefuls that I think are just bougie. They're just rich people. Um, they're like rich people, but also she's she's kind of a millennial in this weird future world. Like she's not actually a millennial, but like there's a lot of this like her only the only person she speaks to is this like bratty kind of like snarky ai who's like this older british guy she's this younger british woman in in voice uh, and he's just like so judgmental about her and her young youthful ideals um and she is like she had inherited some fortune but then is like anti-capitalist or anti anti-authoritarian basically um it's like a very uh there's lots of pausing in the dialogue there's lots of like weight to every line uh, and they they're chemistry on screen i think is super good and it was not something i was anticipating at all and so through that you also see them working out how the palace is working um yeah this game looks so stripped down that i figured like okay so it's mostly going to be uh a wrapper around a game mechanic well i think it is that now that's the thing is like so i'm a couple of hours in i think it has now become that but there is still lots of really interesting story stuff happening around like what her job is what she's trying to achieve here the history between the two of them and this third character who is only ever talked about in reference. Um, like, but it's all done in this, again, this is why I'm comparing it to kind of prestige sci-fi in, in a film or, or kind of literary speculative fiction and science fiction, because it is really a character work. Like it's, it has, it has its concept, like a lot of great, like sci-fi novellas. It has its premise, which is like, Ooh, that's an interesting premise. And then that premise is a vehicle for really good characterization. Um, and, and in this case, really interesting gameplay mechanic. I need to put more time into it. I've only put in like, you know, a couple of hours so far. Uh, I think it's only like five or six hours long. I, I kind of hope because I don't know that I could do, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's 20 hours long. I, I don't know. Um, uh, but I don't know that I could, ho- I could do this for, for 20 hours because it's, it is really fucking stressful. It is really hard to be like, I only have limited resources. I don't want to show them new tricks. I don't want to like overextend myself. Um, and it's just scary. It is just like also a scary game to be chased by clones of yourself. Like this is not <laughs> a fucking good look. Like to be choked to death by also like the faces in this game just don't look great because it's a small team presumably. Um, mm-hmm. And it just adds this really uncanny level because everything else, the palace looks so good. The palace just looks so like pristine that the faces having this uncanny element like are are maybe it's a choice to 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 do that but like it's weird it's it's like a, it is a heavy thing um i really do want to know how long this is now that, now that i'm, I'm going to go over to how long to beat the game's journalist's best friend uh, shout out to how long to beat which tells me do i have time to actually do this thing mm-hmm. no no one has completed this game on how long to beat thanks Ugh. So that's the that was like the the thing that i played that i i actually played that just before the last podcast and didn't get a chance to uh, talk about it, but I, I really think both of you should check that out for sure. I well, you know, there's no games coming out anytime soon. No, so we're I'll just you know, kind add of a, that to the a list. Dry period, right? This Not really, it. actually. Like uh, Golf Story comes out for the Switch this week. That game is like this little. Wait, what uh, is that? Uh, it's a golf RPG. It was showing <gasps> at the Indie Showcase. It looks oh shit like a modern kind of Mario a golf, golf RPG. Oh sort of man, game. that's that's been my problem with the recent Mario golfs is that they haven't been RPGs. Yeah, so it seems like Golf Store. I emailed the dev, and he said that they were still aiming for end of September. Which would oh, be I'm going to play this game. Holy time. shit, Patrick, uh, this looks good. We were just oh, talking about golf. I Rob, know. Look at this game. There's a graveyard. There's a tropical island. There's a boat. <laughs> the the new game from Runic Games, Hob, which has been bouncing around for a little while, that comes out 
tomorrow. I didn't know that game was this year. I didn't Hob know it was anytime soon. Torchlight, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Hob's the game. Runic Games made. Sorry, Runic. That's what I meant. Yeah, Hob is the new game from Runic. From yeah. Runic, who made Torchlight and they, and 1 they, and 2. And they make cool stuff. That comes out tomorrow. What is uh, this? What, do we, what is this game? What is Hob? I don't know, but I know that Runic Games make it, and I like I like their game. It's like a right. platformer type thing. Yeah, it looks cool. Something. Yeah. Uh, and then I just got a, a code in my email for A Hat in Time, which is new, like uh, Banjo-Kazooie tile, uh, ukulele style. Well, maybe not, hopefully not ukulele style. Uh, three <laughs> platformer that was uh, kick-started and oh, has been yeah. uh, fumbling around. It's, you know, it's a very explicitly N64 style. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of 3D uh, platformer, rare sort of stuff from in the 90s. And it looks really good. I don't know if that means it's going to be good because ukulele looked good too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, this looks better than ukulele to me. I'm not going to lie. I, this little I'm gift not that, that they, dude, but yeah. Yeah, this, they put this little gif in the email uh, with uh, the code, and it has like a tra- some traversal and movement mechanics that look really, really uh, fun, like in a way that uh, N64 platformers were pretty slow uh, by by design, and it seems like Hat in Time is, gives you a lot of like verticality and speed right. uh, to go like getting around these giant environments. So anyway, yeah. I don't, I, Steam World as, Dig 2 just came out. Steam World also. Dig 2 came out, yeah, last week. Like, Battle Chasers and Night Warhammer War. 2 just uh, right. came out. Yep, yeah, totally. Battle Chasers comes out next today. week. Um, Shit! Yeah, uh, I still have to Project play more Divinity. Cars 2. Project Cars 2 also just came mm-hmm. out, that's true. Right, Divinity, uh, like a, a, a bare minimum like 80-hour game. <laughs> yeah, I put more hours into that over the weekend with uh, Janine Hawkins. I'm doing that in, in co-op mode and had a better time with it over the weekend than I did last week. Uh, and and like, but it is, it's like it's 80 hours. Like, I don't know if I can if I can commit that sort of time. I don't know. I, I have already scratched off Divinity as a 2017 game for myself. Like, not right. not because that's Divinity's fault. It's just like t- to maximize the investment. Like, I just. That's like I'm yeah. hopefully gonna play that over the winter. Like it, uh, it also is a game I would enjoy more when it's cold out. Right. Like I'm right. spending yes. more time inside, yes. and I don't have the option to go do other things. So. You know what's out tomorrow? What? Is, uh, Ruiner is out tomorrow. Oh right, that looks very good. Uh, I haven't played that. I've seen that at at PAXs at E3s. I've seen that for two years now, and I've never touched it because I've been like, oh, I'm gonna like this game. I'm just gonna wait to play it. Um, fuck, man. Uh, I, I started to play, here's like, let's go the opposite way. A lot of these games that we've just described have been like big budget or at least like mid-size indie game um, made by teams and like commercial. They've been com- very commercial games. I played a game called Dujana over the weekend. I didn't finish it. I put I put like an hour into it. Um, it is by Jack Kingspooner, who did Sluggish Moors and Blues for uh, uh, Midavinda a few years ago. Um, it, I guess comparison, like, work to compare it to would be, like, Space Funeral uh, by, I think that's by the Catamites. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe some of the Arcane Kid stuff comes close. Like, very, like, sing, you know, a handful of people made the game. I think, I'm pretty sure Jack King Spooner makes all of his own games all the way. I think he's a one-person studio, uh, I believe. Um, and it is, uh, like... One, it's just like a, a very unique looking thing. It's a it's, it's a game that I haven't seen anything else that looked like it except for other games by him. Um, it has a very like there's lots of claymation. There's lots of like the characters are just made of of pieces of clay. Um, it has like a, a really wide range of audio uh, elements in the sense that like it can be like this really 
pleasing to to the ear music playing and then just like a ridiculous screech will like make an entire area of the of the world like uninhabitable for you um the basic premise is that you are this mom in a vaguely middle middle eastern like not fantasy middle eastern but like um surreal middle eastern setting uh that is occupied by like u.s armed forces um and that has like giant spider people who are also just shitty internet form trolls basically uh who like kidnap people and your husband and your daughter uh go missing and you're trying to find them uh it is like a very strange game uh in terms of like in comparison to most commercial products so like i want to just put that up front like if this sounds like oh and then you get into like battles like no you're not getting into battles like it is an adventure game it's an, ex- an ex- it's a kind of an exploration game um you're exploring these environments by by like walking around them with wazda and hitting x to talk to people um but it washes over you in a really in a really um pleasing is not a complex enough word like it is it is very intriguing it is very uh, engrossing like it's all when i was playing it it was all i wanted to do like i wanted to turn off all my lights and just like let this thing happen to me uh so that i could like really just let it like embody that moment of being in it um the soundtrack is incredible also there's a giant robot but like it's a giant robot that just helps you it's like an oil like uh an oil digging robot basically that lets you fast travel around uh parts not fast travel, but literally like walk faster than <laughs> you can walk um like and you like it, it's it's a very funny game in that like you're like oh i'm like my daughter and my husband went missing and your mom is like you should you should go talk to sam and see if he'll loan you uh his keys to his old oil mech to help you go like oh you know (laughs) you know just go talk to sam um it's it's very funny and but also very like thoughtful and and weird uh jack king spooner is a uh i believe is irish and there's like a moment when you're walking around this middle eastern world uh or like this middle eastern inspired world um and you find the u.s like you know u.n uh uh camp basically the 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 camp that uh uh, the, the occupying camp and you just go into one of the buildings and there's just a US podium and if you go up to it and hit X like hit the activation button it takes you to like a teleprompter with Trump's speech that he gave while he was in Ireland and so there's this like double layer that I'm Whoa. working to unpack here which is like okay this is obviously very much about like the various wars in the Middle East over the last you know century you know after the, over the last 50 years like since World War II um but also, there is definitely just this notion of, like, there's definitely an Irish politics to this, despite the fact that it is not taking place in Ireland. Um, and I want to kind of try to work through all that and unpack it. It's only a, a few hours long also. Um, and it's also just, like, very quirky. Like, for something that is often very heavy and very hard to, like, be in, because it is, in purpose, it is purposefully oppressive, it is also just, like, has moments of very good lightheartedness and, like internet humor but not bad internet humor do you know what i mean um i guess that's like that's a thing that i like more that's again that's one of the reasons why i'm eager to watch neo yokio is like i just want i like internet humor but i don't like shitty internet humor um like here's one there was you meet a you meet a a soldier in the uh, occupying camp and you talk to him and he goes after a long period of reflection i decided i was right yet again and it's like yep (laughs) twitter.com there it is (laughs) The woke gamer says, after a long period of reflection, I decided I was right yet again. Perfect. That's a good, good. line. I'm gonna, I gotta write that down somewhere. Yes, it's it's extreme. Uh, and then like there are fake fights where you get into like a random encounter, and then you just 
you know, target something and hit X, and then it says something like, the spiders find the presence of a smelly girl terrifying and run away. <laughs> Item, uh, salt of the earth. Item, no arms, no legs. Medical advancement, super babies. Bold claim learned. Bigot, learned spell. Uh, morphine porridge pump. You learned French flipper trick. You learned scrappy doo-doo. The team has been offered a free estimate for a new kitchen. New ability, bark, upgraded all wizards. Like, all right, good. Yep. And it all like just scrolls past really quick, like the, the end of a Final Fantasy fight where you just get a thousand things things um it's that's it's, awesome yeah exactly it's it's very cool and i'm like glad i made time for it even just to dip into it because it's one of those games that's like oh this is selling on itch.io for seven bucks or whatever it would be easy to miss it this this uh year in or this season when it's so busy but like it was a nice break from these other these other much more you know big budget like going from destiny to Dejana is like a very <laughs> hard swing in terms of like, oh, right, games can do all this shit. Games can do a lot, and I have room in my life for both of those. Uh, so that was that was a nice little bit of, uh, of extra fun this weekend. Um, I also played a bunch of board games and stuff. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I, I beat the Netrunner Legacy game. Uh, I've mentioned Legacy games once or twice before, which are games like board games and card games where they change as you play them. Rob, mm. you've done at least some oh, of these, right? Oh, I hate right? those. Do yeah. you? Why do oh, you hate those? I fucking those? hate them. Hang oh, on, they're my fave. Up, uh, okay, I think... Yeah, so it, it's like there's a huge central board, right? And there's like sideboards and the cards work their way around them and there's like collective challenges. Is that it? No. Okay. No, this is the thing. Like this I'm is like oh, the legendary. I think I'm thinking. You're of. thinking of legendary. I'm talking about what like Rob Davio did with oh, Risk oh like and changing Pandem- games. Yeah, yeah changing like evolving games. Board games. Yes. Yeah. So like uh, uh, Rob Davio did this. I'm pronouncing his last name right. Yep, you are. Uh, with Risk years ago, which is like, if you like board games, I don't know Patrick. If you, I don't know what you what your feelings on Risk are. Have you played Risk much, Patrick? My feelings are that I don't play board games, but not because I'm I just sure. don't have time. There's All just right, a thing that I. What you need to know is. Risk is bad. Risk is a bad board I've game. I've heard that from most... Kind of like Monopoly sucks, too. Yeah, I think Risk is, like, a bad way to spend time. Mm-hmm. But Risk Legacy is, like... You know, Davio was like, okay, how do I make Risk like, Risk interesting? And the way that he did it was he made it so that instead of playing one game of Risk and that was it, there are, you play a bunch of them and the board changes and there's almost a sort of narrative that occurs around like the state of the world and parts of the map change and like now this place is a big city. Now this place has been nuked to oblivion. Now there are, you know, weird armored bear units or whatever. And the players are making the choices yes. about how this yes, world yes, evolves. Yes. So it's not like it just by game six this happens and it's this like prescriptive way. It's like somebody decided I'm going to use one of my nukes and hit this province to take it out of your hands right but now every subsequent every subsequent game has that nuked province right exactly um and so the one that i played over the weekend was uh netrunner terminal directive um i'd started it last week and then wrapped it up over the weekend and it was really cool netrunner is a two-player card game uh it's a cyberpunk game in which a corporation is trying to score agendas uh which are things like writing their name in the side of the When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. 
yahoofinance.com. The moon or mandatorily upgrading all of their employees with cyber eyes, which are bad things. Um, but the, there's this time, the, the whole game is basically the, the evil mega corporation wants to do something bad, but it needs time and resources to do that bad thing. Uh, and in the time before they can score those agendas, before they can like put the resources into those agendas, the runner, the hacker, can hack in, find it, and then kind of show it to the world and be like, yo, this is fucked up, and they haven't, just, they haven't built the spin for it yet so that, they, so that people won't think it's fucked up. Um, and that's already really cool. Like I think Netrunner is like one of the best games ever made, full stop. Like It is like 100% from a design perspective and from a fiction from the way the fiction in, and interacts with the design from the way that, like you can tell stories through it even just the regular game is really good but the the kind of legacy edition version of it terminal directive literally tells a murder mystery through a series of like six games uh, or maybe i guess it could go up to like 10 games probably but we wrapped in about six um in which uh, like in uh, a a replicant basically a bioroid is what they're called in this universe uh, basically a replicant starts killing people and they're not supposed to be able to do that because they have directives programmed into their brains and so you play as a corporation who's trying to track it down to be like yo we have got to put this thing under wraps like no one can know about this uh and the runner is was working with uh, a cop who used to be a hacker uh, to try to find the the truth. Um, and it's it's a really cool modification to what is already a really fun game because suddenly you're doing things like in the middle of you get objectives uh, where it could be something like um, if I'm on the 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 corporation side, I could get an objective to like destroy a bunch of stuff that the runner has, like a bunch of programs that they use to hack into my stuff. And if I can pull that off, which sometimes means changing my deck so that I can pull that off, then I might get new cards or a new effect goes into play immediately in that game and going forward into the next few. It's a really, like, it, it zooms out the the kind of play space in a way that's, that's really fun. Um, and it also just works as a great like tutorial to Netrunner because a lot of the objectives that get into pl- put into play or a lot of the restrictions that get put into play over the course of a bunch of games basically train you to do smart things. Like I'm going to spoil one thing and I don't like to spoil things from games like this because half of the fun is that there's all these packages that say like, don't open this. Do not open this until this point in the game. But one thing early on in the runner side of the campaign is like um, if you don't do a run every turn, if you don't make a run, if you don't try to hack into the corporation every turn, at least once, then a bad thing is going to happen. And so for Jack, who is new to playing Netrunner, my friend Jack, who I was playing with, um, that was just like a good way to get him into the habit of being aggressive as a player whereas normally new players they're like very cautious they don't like they don't like hacking because even though the game is about hacking they don't like doing it because it's risky but like it was a really cool way of teaching him no you have to do it um so that was a fun thing i did over the weekend and then i also put the the finishing touches on sherlock holmes consulting detective which i've been playing on and off with various friends for years i talked about it at length in an old beast cast you should go look that up if you want to hear about sherlock holmes consulting detective or i've written about it a few times just search austin walker sherlock holmes consulting detective if you want my feelings on that game they're out there <laughs> i promise they haven't changed it was a cool it was cool to wrap up this thing that i've been playing on and off with various friends for like three years now so uh that uh, recommend that game always as one of my favorite board games so that was my my game filled week you guys didn't or uh patrick you didn't play any games this weekend but sounds like rob and i had you covered thank you could you can you 
cover all the other parts of my job, and I'll just take a back seat. Uh, yeah, what, what happened a today? Take uh, a scotch nap. Uh, I, got a, I got a new story. Here we go. I mean, it's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, typing. <laughs> uh, turns out that 10% of Steam players are playing PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds now. It's a headline. Meet the it, game it, that 10% of Steam players are now playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob, that's... Oh, it's getting there. That's not bad. That's a good rough draft. I mean, actually, line. is that... We're working on that piece about the players, right? Rob? Yeah. Have you, you've edited that piece? Uh, I asked I ask you if you wanted me to edit it. Yeah, you should edit that let's, piece. Let's it's, peel back that curtain to, yeah. our, to our Trello. A tumbleweed blows across the Trello. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's edit that piece and use that headline. 10% meet the players behind the game that 10% of Steam players are playing well, we'll right, right now. That's it. That's the one. Nailed it. It's got God. lots of SEO. People I mean, that's, like playing and players. People love playing and also players. <laughs> uh, we should do the like the Rock, Paper, Shotgun, or PC Gamer style thing, which is like players ball, colon, meet the game that 10% of Steam players are playing and why they love playing it. Done. <laughs> Ship it. God. Headlines are bad. Internet headlines uh, are hard. It's hard to write a good headline. Cuphead's out this week too. No, it isn't. Stop it. Ugh, that's too many. That's too many games. Ugh. All right. You know what I'm going to do to to adjust our games mm-hmm. is I'm going to pivot this podcast into the question bucket. Yeah. And uh, it is is see if there's anything nice and lighthearted here to help us uh, to help us to think positively about this very busy time in our lives. All right, this one comes in from Andrew, who says, fuck. Great. Dear, dear well chosen, Austin. Dear Waypoint crew, it has come to my attention that Nazis are organizing a march in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, on December 28th of this year. Jesus. This is highly frightening to me that something like this is happening in my hometown. I am afraid to say that what happened to Charlottesville... Uh, protesting the event, uh, sorry, that after what happened at Charlottesville, my, protesting the event could be dangerous for both me and my girlfriend. Granted, for the rally to take place, uh, the CMPD, the police department there, still must grant them a permit. At the time, uh, at the time being, we can we can call an email to prevent a permit from being given. I, I will give links at the bottom. Since I know what to do uh, to try to prevent it, what steps can, can I counter this rally if it does end up taking place safely and peacefully, coming from someone who has never protested before? Sincerely, Andrew, um, it seems like the good news is that this group in question has not yet filed for a permit. He, he sent us follow up, so that's good. I'm glad that that they've like not done the not taken their the, the step necessary to actually do this. Um, but we actually talked about this in a past episode in terms of like preparation. Um, maybe we should we could even include a link out to like some some uh, basic prep. Uh, protest prep stuff um, in the in the show notes this week, Patrick. Um, I think Vice has run a story about about like I right, hear like the five things you should know mm-hmm. about. Um, but like one big thing would definitely be to get in contact with other people who are going so that you're not going alone and to make sure that you have uh, like other organizers who will be able to guide you through that directly, um, who can provide you with information about things to bring besides just like water. Right. Uh, you know, and, uh, and they may have like an like, you know, uh, essentially like a how to guide. Yes. Like, here's the things that are going to be helpful. Here's the message that our group is sending. Here's. 
the kinds of, you know, they'll probably leave suggestions for messages on a sign if you don't feel creative enough for, you yep. know, to, for something to come. Like, following the lead of others isn't, totally. like, a sign of weakness. That's a sign of, like, recognizing that other people have experience and knowledge, and that is probably the, the best way to both know how to, like, respond if things get weird, yep. if things get uh, violent, if things yep. go any number of ways, is to, to look towards others who have... Uh, participated in it before as a, a, a guidepost for how to kind of guide your own behavior. Uh, other things I'd say is like cash, um, just in case, like uh, in a sock, in a in a in a back, like cash and not just cards, just in case you lose your wallet. Like keep that, keep cash on you. Uh, I'd say keep emergency contact numbers with you, uh, like on a piece of paper, like Maybe something not on so that phone. not on yeah. your phone. Um, uh, uh, and in, on that list of numbers should probably be some sort of legal counsel number so that you could get in touch with someone who would, if you got arrested for whatever reason, even though you were just protesting peacefully, like having uh, uh, a, a phone number for, uh, you know, lawyers who are there to support protesters would help a lot. Um, other than that, like there are guides out for that. I, I again, I'll, maybe I'll try to find one and link one in the show notes for you. So that's that's one. Um, but the other thing is just like yes, good. Do the first step, which is get in touch, touch with the uh, the permit granting people, and and you know let your voice be heard there. Like obviously, at the end of the day, they may still decide to give a permit to the group. Um, but getting involved ahead of time like that is definitely the right move to do. Is what, is what I'll say. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the thing I'd add is like just. Usually, so like when they came through Boston, for instance, there were multiple counter protests uh, organized, and yep. I suspect the same thing is going to happen down there. Um, you know, and so just sort of consider which group you might want to link up with, because the different the different counter protests are all going to have a different political agenda uh, as well. So think about like what you want to be standing for uh, mm-hmm. at the counter protest, but then also what kind of uh, protest resistance you are comfortable engaging in, right? So like. You know, if you're like if you're going to be in a place where like direct confrontation or civil disobedience, uh, you know, is going to be happening, you're going to be taking part. Uh, that is a case where you need to be thinking about you know worst case scenarios. Do you want? Do you really want to have a phone with your personal information on it? Uh, but if you're if you're anything like me, and that is <laughs> that might be too rich for your blood. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of good protests. Uh, you know that organizations like the DSA I'll be putting mm-hmm. on that will be just more about like representing and standing up for beliefs and values and yeah. uh, you know bearing witness uh, so you know just sort of find the correct demonstration uh, for, for you and what you want to bring to the table um, I do kind of wonder because the Boston thing ended up turning out kind of comical uh, with, mm-hmm. with the scale of the uh, white supremacist rally and admittedly it's a different uh, different landscape in North Carolina and uh, for a lot of different reasons. But at the same time, like Charlottesville caught people by surprise. Yep. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. And so I, I think it is upsetting and it is frustrating. But as you get involved in preparing to protest this, I think you might be heartened uh, by it's a good reality check to see that when people know to expect Nazis and white supremacists, right? Uh, like how popular they actually are versus how many people fucking hate these scumbags yep. and will come out to say so. It has been, it has been really heartening for me this year to see a lot of people who, uh, I mean, like it, it, it shouldn't be like motherfuckers hate Nazis should be a thing we all agree with and know like, Oh yeah, fuck Nazis should be 
of course, fuck Nazis. Um, it has been heartening. There have been like a handful of specific people where I've been like, oh, good. You, okay, cool. Like you're, yeah, good. You, I, I shouldn't have ever doubted you. You're good. Awesome. Um, of course, there have also been other people who have been the opposite of that, who have been like very much like, n- there's never a reason to punch anybody ever. Mm. And like, all right, cool. Well, good. I think what the, the usefulness, uh, obviously, the better situation is that. No Nazis, none of this shit. But the usefulness of scenarios like this in which, like, it should be sort of, like, black or white on which side you're on and how you should feel about it yeah. ends up revealing a lot of interesting things about the politics of people you know yeah. in which you might you might have assumed one thing and that actually yep. you find out that uh, a lot of people's uh, politics are performative and, yep. and may hide uh, – and, and also it, it – you know, or, in, the, or, in the grand scheme of, like, the usefulness of the Trump era, uh, the politi- the politicalization of people that would otherwise be apolitical or just sort of, like, coast through, and the fact that people are forced to examine their own politics on a de- – even someone like myself who was already deeply engaged with politics mm-hmm. but then, like, is forced to think about it in a different context, in a different light, in a different weight. Like, it's, again, like, no Trump better than Trump, but, like, in yeah. the context of our situation, like, there may be – long tail like self-improvement for myself and like self-improvement for others which is like examining your participation in culture and like what that means to be political or apolitical and what your definition of what it meant to be political or apolitical was in the past and how that has changed now um that that can have useful dividends this is part of the question for me ends up being like i think a lot of this will come out in the long run uh, if there is a long run uh what (laughs) what we what the uh the the net effect of all this was because or all this is now even because on one hand i think you're totally right that there is a degree of activation here of like oh shit i have to be dialed in i can't we, we talked about this on on friday's podcast right like i can't just be an apolitical snarky asshole anymore like there are uh, suddenly the scales have fallen from my eyes and i can see that there are stakes now on the other hand i, I need those stakes to be more than it's trump um, I, I think you know there was a there was a really fantastic uh, tweet from uh, the Shrillist. Do, do, do y'all know the Shrillist on on Twitter? Um, which was uh, I'm just gonna pull it up. Um, uh, these people who were uh, fuck, I changed the thing. Here we go. Um, these people who were against kneeling when it was about racism and are for it now that it's a muddy free speech slash anti-Trump thing are sus. And like, yup, like the, the I've seen so many people who. Last year, when when uh, Colin Kaepernick was like, "Oh, we uh, I was taking knees," these people were saying, "This isn't the right avenue for this. This isn't the right way to address this." Or were silent on the issue, right? Who were like not going out of their way to stand up for the dude. But now that like Trump specifically has been shitty about this over the last week, and I know you missed all this, Patrick, because you smartly logged off. Um, a lot of those same people... Don't worry, but impossible to miss in the last... <laughs> even the last... Yeah, just in this morning, yeah. Um, a lot of those same people are people who are like, fuck Trump, now I'm going to be upset about the... the about, you know... Uh, uh, I'm going to defend the right of, of black athletes to, to make political statements uh, on the field. And that... We need to be able to push – we need to use whatever the, the this catalyzing moment is to push people not only to specifically be anti-Trump but to engage with the things that Trump is is threatening and, and is like at a policy level, at a cultural level, actually be engaged at why people are, are being politically active and not just we have a boogeyman now. Yeah, that's the problem with having like a unique existential threat yes. is that it, it, tur- it turns on people in a way that is – like being – 
being political is very easy in 2017 yeah. because yeah. like there's plenty for a broad stroke of people to be upset at and it's very easy to say fuck trump but yes like the like there will be a certain number of people that activate and sort of turn on as a result of trump and maybe like you said like the their eyes become opened but the true test is like what happens after trump when things go back to sort of you know obama era like you can just be comfortable like things are uh, you know incrementally in many ways moving in the right direction but that that can often hide a lot of the shit that's happening well, underneath and that also can make you check out in a way that like I did my job like I sent the Trump tweets uh-huh. I signed the petitions <laughs> uh-huh. I you know I did one protest and and then suddenly you know when you know the middle of the road democratic candidate is is elected in you know 2020 2024 uh you suddenly just feel like oh that's it I'm done like I did my part I did well, my part the Democrats love to sweep this under the rug I, you know something I've been thinking a, a lot about this week uh, I think about it a lot, actually. I've thought about it a lot ever since it happened. Uh, was uh, Shirley Sherrod, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, I think, Department of Agriculture yep. uh, civil servant, lifetime lifetime civil servant uh, with the with the Department of Agriculture, uh, who was sort of one of the uh, you know first scalps that uh, Breitbart collected mm-hmm. uh, under the Obama administration. And what really struck me when that all happened is that the scandal was that she'd uh, she'd in a in a speech to a uh, to an, to an African American uh, civic group, uh, she basically talked about uh, you know thinking about screwing over this white farmer uh, you know just uh-huh. you know just because uh, that he, he was he was giving her attitude, and what what emerged was that Breitbart uh, as they always do had doctored the video and taken it out of context uh, and stripped out the, the full story. Um, and what was, what was revealed afterwards is that she'd come around to, uh, she had decided to, to help this guy in spite of his racial prejudices uh, and ended up sort of saving his farm and become sort of friends with that family. But what really, what I've never been able to get over is that one, the Obama administration raced uh, to, to show her the door. Yep. Uh, you know, for for expressing this, but the other thing is, I always felt like I was going, I, I was, I was going, uh, going mad during that because her whole speech is about the life of a middle aged middle aged uh, African American woman in the second half of the twentieth century. Yep. Uh, she's talking about. Uh, I think her father was uh, w- w- uh, was lynched, actually, uh, but certainly the the Klan came and menaced her, menaced her family, and she has me- childhood memories of. Uh, you know, her mother and grandfather being on the porch of their family home uh, with shotguns, uh, warding off uh, Klan terrorists. Yep. And I've never been able to get over um, what it must have been like for someone like that to you know, wait for someone like Obama to show right. up. Right. Your whole life, you dream yeah. that Obama shows up. Obama shows up and against all odds against uh, a primary candidate who used his race against him against uh, a, a rapidly radicalizing right uh, this is the, this is like the 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 era of the Tea Party coming into into being he, he manages to get through and, you know he, he even says it outright you know work twice as hard for half as much and and this is the moment where finally you're supposed to be able to feel like we've got it and then and a fucking website like, cuts half of it cuts down two minutes of an hour long video. An avowedly racist website. Right. Yes. And a white imme- nationalist website. 
immediately his response is to be like, well, I must show how fair and unbiased right. and, and, and how what a unifier I am. And so I'm going to throw this... Uh, throw this woman under the bus uh, without even hearing her side. But the other part that haunted me is that I was sort of stunned listening to that speech because having had the experiences she had through life, right? I don't know how you'd get over that right. and become a proud American and a, a civil servant. Like, I don't know how you'd just like move on from that and decide, yeah, I'm actually going to help this, this racist this farmer. Poor, right, exactly. Uh, yeah. And so that's me sort of like missed the real story. And what has become clear in the intervening years is that there is this really terrifying rage whenever uh, marginalized people, but particularly African-Americans, express any kind of ambivalence or complexity for (laughs) their experience of America and their relationship with it. And what is... Scaring me is, yeah, it's, this is becoming like, oh, you know, they're, they're taking a knee against Trump. That's not what it was about. It was about police violence yep. against, Specifically. Uh, against black people. Yeah. Um, and I really worry that if we, yeah, if we get through this, it all dies down. We go back to these platitudes about uniting as Americans mm-hmm. and coming together. And those are empty bromides because we had, like... The reason we're in this boat is we never confronted these these divergent experiences. We never confronted the very recent evil in our history, the ongoing evil in our history. And my terror is that the left is represented by people like uh, Obama, like the Clintons, like to move on from all this. Right. And just want to get back to the business of things being fine. Yes. And if they're not fine, shut the fuck up. Right. And we right. can't do that again. Right. And, and the thing that's frustrating is seeing what is an effective uh, method of protest, effective because it brings the issue to the foreground, because for, you know, uh, certainly taking a knee, by taking a knee, Colin Kaepernick didn't bring anyone back to life. He, he didn't, uh, you know, institute changes in, in police policies, but he did use a platform to make us talk about shit. To have that then turn into simply uh, a, a place in which we are able to, like, get one over on Trump. And, and don't get me wrong, getting one over on Trump is a good feeling. When when LeBron James tweets, you bum, like, <laughs> it feels great. so good. And we need those morale boosters, right? Like, we need that strategically. We need those. Like, I absolutely believe in, in that. There are moments in political conflict in which the – you know, uh, doing things that don't necessarily bring the other side over can still be valuable because it can keep the morale of, of folks, you know, who are really struggling and working on our side, keep that morale up and keep give them energy to keep them going, right? Like, uh, it, bread alone. You can't, you cannot win a war on bread alone, right? You do need that leadership and, and that energy and that morale. Um, but it is so frustrating to see a, the establishment, like, capture what was once uh, a, 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 you know, relatively radical uh, sort of uh, uh, political action and reformat it to fit uh, a more centrist, a more traditional uh, uh, kind of political position, right? It's very easy to swing at Trump. It's so much harder to to unite a lot of people against uh, anti-black violence, especially anti-black violence done by police, done by authority figures, uh, and, and also anti-brown violence. Like, you know, obviously that, that there is – it is such a complex position to, to even get into because of the, the ways in which police violence are, are already talked about across racial lines, across lines of, of income, but, but especially this, this specific history of anti-black violence. And, and it is – 
infuriating and and demeaning to always have that conversation need to be reframed to a wider issue um uh, you know this is the the uh the quote from um uh james baldwin right which is like all around the world white people raise raise guns in defense of themselves and say you know uh, uh this you know this is he's talking in the in the 60s the at this point i think is when this quote is from uh, maybe the mm, Maybe the sixties, maybe this I believe it was the sixties, saying like if an Eastern European country pushes back against against the Soviets, everyone cheers. If if you know uh, if a, a, an oppressed people in Western Europe push back against fascists, everyone cheers. But like the second a black person says like oh I'm oppressed, what mo- what what many white Americans say is shut up, things are equal. Like work harder. You know the reason you don't have this is because you don't have it. And not only is there a distinct difference in response, there's a different, there's a distinct difference in response considering the scale of what that is. The notion that someone taking a knee, uh, at, at the, the national anthem while the flag is being displayed, which isn't a thing that even always happened in football, like in which, in which the Stephen players. Stephen A. Smith, welcome Steve, to the resistance. Welcome to Stephen A. Smith to the fucking, oh, to Wake no, Point Radio. Know, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I cannot wait for for Stephen A. Smith. I, I tweeted, but this actually, day, it is a crucial but... point that he, that he's making yes, the other night, yes, which is which that is. these these uh, ceremonies are a fairly recent phenomenon yes. and were in large measure sponsored by the government, literally to draw sponsored, to, yeah, to draw attention to like the National Guard and serving soldiers, uh, which yes was partly to honor them, but also partly to remind everyone that these are objects of uh, civic uh, civic. Uh, yep. admiration and that would uh, also presumably boost both the popularity of uh, recruiting and the popularity of the armed services like there was always an agenda here it was it was a political thing and it's not this wasn't something that Americans always did this would have been this would have struck your grandfather that's uh, kind of fucking weird yes I mean it's I mean the the, the, the humorous part about all of this is that there are a lot of uh, racist uh, football fans that like to uh, exploit the athleticism of black athletes yep. without actually um, uh, acknowledging their blackness and the entire reason that this is even a thing is because they enjoy the sport of football mm-hmm. and the athleticism of black athletes but don't want to acknowledge the fact that they're black and the only reason they're uh uppity about it is because <laughs> they they want Good reversal there they don't they want you to throw the football but they don't want to they like the fact that you keep your helmet on right which is you took that Always been off. the case. <laughs> exactly. And this is like they like a... it when we were on stage playing music. They like it when we rap. They like it when we entertain. They like it when we tell jokes. Like, and it is help it my is... fantasy football, but don't tell me about uh, <laughs> how you feel about the police state. Exactly about about what your your place is in life. You know, um, it's it is uh, you you know keep it keep it to sports. Just write about yeah. video games. Can can mm-hmm. we pause? How freaking weird though that like this has been. So I see some people saying that like Trump is is sort of finding a wedge issue and he's playing three dimensional chess again. Yeah. I don't know. I can sort of see that point, but on the other hand, the NFL has gone to such extreme lengths to prevent anything like this from ever happening. Yep. To prevent any kind of class consciousness from forming. It's the opposite among of the its NBA. Employees. Yes. So like exactly. The NBA has like the NBA has essentially embraced and allowed the idea that like players, white and black alike, are going to be extremely political, and it's just it's just bizarre to see like. If this happened in the NBA, it would just be a blip because yep. the NBA just realized, like, shit, we, like, we largely rely on black athletes to, <laughs> to like, to, to fund these stadiums and to fund our uh, our stars. So, like, 
we should acknowledge and allow them to express their political speech through like their best platform possible. Whereas the football uh, uh, world has like been very uncomfortable with politics. And so like that is part of why this is as strange as it is and has, as vitriolic as it is because it's it's football, like a sport getting dragged into politics because they've actively avoided it um, in all instances. And it has been the thing that, that frustrates me the most about this stuff is the same thing that frustrates me about, uh, you know, uh, people saying that, that game critics should only stick to talking about about whether or not the controls are tight, which is like. No, like, just like games, sports have always already been political. We opened mm-hmm. this by talking about golf, by talking about the way that golf courses use space, the way that they, that they even in the idealized world, even in the ideal version in which everyone gets access to golf courses as public property, like, even in those worlds, that's still space being taken away from other goods, and that, that is already, or other, other possible uses, which means it's always already caught up in a politics of what we do with our public space spaces not not even getting into the history of of racism of of locking down courses to to you know black and brown people to to jewish folk like that is already a history of race already and and that's not even to lean into talking about how many historical figures in the world of sports have been actively political to you know ali refusing to to join the 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 army draft right like to to going to jail over that like there is a history of black athlete uh, black athleticism in this country that runs alongside a history of black political activism uh and to su- suggest that somehow that is a new development is Again, I I come back to this position of it being in bad faith. Like, I don't know how you go. I don't know how this is an ignorance. And and it feels so much more like an an active, uh, uh, you know, establishment of of uh, of alibi, you know, like, oh, well, that was different because X, Y, Z. And and it it wasn't. But so much of this is just like erased or ripped out of context in the way the history is taught. Right. Yes. I was uh, I think it was like in my late twenties when I heard about like the Tulsa race riot, which by the yep. way, isn't a race riot. It's ethnic cleansing. No, no, uh, yes. to be clear. Let's, be, let's be very uh, clear about what that was. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was, you know, I was reading a, a book where this is, this comes up and I was like, that couldn't have happened. This is a work of fiction. Like this is, this is some crazy bullshit. And I looked it up and I was like, Oh, uh, the, the, the white neighbors of a prosperous middle-class black community, uh, leveled it to the ground and yep. bombed it and strafed it for uh, a couple days. Uh, and that happened like within my grandfather's lifetime, uh, for right. instance. That's how recent right. this is. But the other thing is, um, we have this, this this cartoon vision of what protest and activism was, uh, which is this uh, you know perfect example is uh, you know the Disneyfied Care Bear uh, <laughs> vision of Martin Luther King, yeah. uh, who mm-hmm. comes out and says, "What if we weren't racist?" And <laughs> And then everyone uh, went, oh, oh yeah. what if we weren't racist? <laughs> the I Have a Dream speech is, wouldn't it be awesome is if on the reddest hills of Georgia, uh, people in Nazi uh, shirts and uh, black people <laughs> could get along and not punch each other. <laughs> and everyone agreed that that's basically how it should be, and that's how we beat racism And that's uh, forever. how we did it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there was absolutely nobody else uh, taking action at that time. And there was... Uh, this was not a unified... This, this was not a thing where because through a diversity of action, Martin Luther King's version gained popularity with whites because the other versions <laughs> made it clear what the... Right, exactly. Like, ugh. All of this stuff comes from... Uh, history is deeply complex and there are many actors always. Uh, and the way that things change is through diversity of actions. Everything is overdetermined. Everything comes from a number of sources colliding. And like... 
if the only, if in your mind you believe that change can change should occur, but only through a prescribed, sanctified, like uh, cleansed, pure version of political action, you should reread your history books. Like, not to be twenty-two-year-old off again, but fucking read more. Like, yes, also that, right? Like, read firsthand accounts, and also read past. I have, I have a dream, right? Like, read into into you know uh, King's activism around labor rights. Read into King's activism around the Vietnam War. Like, read in, read beyond just the the clipped down version of his greatest hits. Like, go to those deep cuts. Like that stuff. Like has an ideology that goes beyond just we were all born equal and is about what happens on the planet uh, after we are born, right? Like one of the biggest uh, dividing points in political ideology in America is what equality even means. Is it equality of access or is it equality of, of opportunity? Is it that we all have an equal chance to achieve something once we're down on the field? Or is it that basically, fundamentally, we should all have these things as rights in our lives? We should fundamentally have the right to health care we should fundamentally have the right to shelter and a lot of people use equality in that other way which is you should fundamentally have access to a store where you can buy food you should fundamentally have access to to uh, the opportunity to go buy health care regardless of what race you are and when you really push at what equality means you need to like we really got to know which type of equality we're talking about uh and what i want to happen and i think this is another really great great point of like going back to the the take a knee protest being co-opted by this this much easier politics is that we develop uh political methods of protest and and an awareness of recognizing when when what we're saying is no everyone deserves right to health care everyone deserves right to not be shot by police we recognize when that protest is being co-opted by that second thing which is everyone has access to a market to buy health care or everyone is equal has an equal chance to be shot by police like that is <laughs> oh no that is the thing that like we need to make sure that that second step isn't happening right like it isn't it is about demilitarizing police like absolutely but it's also about making sure that there are methods in place for police to be accountable uh, when they when they perform racist acts of violence or when they when you stop and frisk procedures are are uh you know uh uh when indexed uh harm you know black and brown people more than than white folk even when the numbers suggest that white folks use drugs use and sell drugs just as often right like those sorts of things are need to be addressed directly and we need to make sure that we have an awareness and a consciousness around what is actually at stake and what it is we're actually fighting for and like so often someone will sweep in and try to broaden it out or make it more universal and i get it sometimes you want to make it more universal so you can get more people on your side to show up to those protests and make a bigger make a bigger force and like shut down the nazi protests i definitely understand the the urge but we should make sure not to give in those very specific claims of injustice uh the very specific goals in favor of this more supposedly universal claim that keeps the status quo intact instead of forcing it to to adjust to what the real lives of people are to what the real injustices on the on the ground are huh good question we got there we got into some deep shit today also it's, call your congress people and demand disaster relief for puerto rico yeah fucking for real unbelievable the shit that oh my god the photos that have come out of puerto rico in the wake of the recent uh, hurricane have been um just terrifying and and sad and the fact that we have not mobilized to provide relief to u.s citizens like 
obviously seems, seems pretty ethnically loaded to me. Yeah, yeah, it does seem that way. Oh, man, I, it, it has me thinking a lot about the U.S. territory system and and the the system with Puerto Rico and like what we consider ours and. Ugh, it is. It is a heavy. It has been a heavy couple of. It has been heavy in the world for a while, I guess. Um, and it's so little time. Like people have been around as people for so long, but you think about the last like hundred years, and it's wild. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, there was another question that's way lighter, and we should go out on that one before right. we, we call it. This one comes in from Maria, who says, "Hey everyone." If you were to get a video game related tattoo, what would it be? None wow. none isn't an option. <laughs> Death isn't an option. <laughs> Thank you for your hard work, Maria. Uh, what would my what would my video game tattoo be? Sorry, Maria, for making this seem Maria, I know Maria on Twitter. Maria is a good person. Uh, Maria is very politically. Well, I don't active. know. I think you need to re examine the politics of Maria at the moment. <laughs> Uh, I just hit next question. I was like, oh, that's a good light one. What would my... I, I, the thing is, like, the only game-related tattoo I think I'd ever get is something about the second season of Friends at the Table, which is a tabletop podcast I run, uh, partially because it was a story I told with my friends, and it's like, oh, man, we told this story together by playing tabletop role-playing games. And partially because the message of that show was, like, very political and very, like, leftist and very, like, about making sure that you value your labor and, and that you're not tricked into doing bullshit for other people. Um, the problem is video games don't often tell us those stories, and so it's hard to be like, okay, here's something I care that deeply about. Um I think about like the games that matter the most to me, and like, is there anything in them that I would jump to? I know Patrick, you've talked about Dark Tower tattoos before. Yeah, I don't know that I have something in video games that like I can't even. Like I was trying to, I was like, there was a Lost video game. What about the numbers from Lost? That's kind <laughs> of abstract, and you would you wouldn't quite pick up on it unless I I yeah I don't. I mean, because if I was going to do it, like, when I've considered over the years, like, getting something, it would always have to be sort of, like, symbolically abstract in the same way that, like, that's often how I buy t-shirts and things like that, is, like, you have to sort of be in the know to understand uh, what it would be. Right, it can't can't... just be, it can't just say... It's not going to be the Triforce, and that's, like, no disrespect to anyone that's got, like, I don't think I want to, like, be be clear about that, like, it's fine if you want to get the Triforce or something that... It comes across to me as like a little on the nose, mm-hmm. um, but I guess even that's symbolic in a way that like is in the the direction of what I would even consider. Right, it's like it, it's something that is uh, imagery that is symbolic, but not explicitly something that I don't know. I just I I don't have any interest, and I can't think of too many things that would go in that direction. I could I'm, conceive I'm racking my head. of digging through Kentucky Route Zero for something. Um, there are really good logos in that game and names sure. and stuff, and I yeah. like KRZ enough to be like, yeah, something from here could do it. But, like, I'd have to really dig. Rob, what about you? Well, <clears throat> yeah, it's tough. Cause, Rob, like, do, you, of... do you have a Triforce tattoo? Did I, like, just really make things, like, incredibly awkward? Uh, no, no. But I was <laughs> thinking, like, you could get away with tri- with the Triforce tattoo just because it's so generic. Uh, yeah. and meaningless at this point. Uh, but hey, yeah, but, okay. Uh, what if you just got what if you just got knuckle tattoos that said "Wisdom, Courage, Power"? Fuck you, because that's <laughs> the Triforce. What's more political than the Triforce, Patrick? Using the wisdom to see injustice, the courage to face it, and the power to defeat it. 
and then you slam, you interlace your your hands and show them to someone, uh, and the struggle. Uh, and the sh- Wait, the... that's that's night, that's night of the hunter. Uh, can this be the Democrat <laughs> slogan for 2018? That's it. The Democrat slogan. <laughs> Just a picture of the tribe. But also, course. it's a diamond. There's a fourth point, and that's better skills. <laughs> All right, I think we're done. Uh, I think that's, that's it. That's the podcast. Thank you for our – someone did write in recently, like, you guys get political a lot. Is that like a thing that you're going to keep doing? I, and I was like, eh, maybe. And the answer was yes. <laughs> the this answer podcast was, is supposed to look, be like 35 minutes long. It's now an hour 20. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon for me, 3 o'clock for you. I'm not eating lunch. Yep, I mean, like, either. I'm, I'm I've eaten hu- nothing today I'm full yet. of politics. I have I'm a meeting in a, like in a minute – that I'm not going to make because I'm still in, <laughs> in still in Queens. Uh, I have a I just, literally at the end of after streaming battlegrounds today. The thing I just said was just like, uh, could we hit the podcast real quick? Uh, um, and then Rob was like, oh, like like are we going to start in thirty minutes or five minutes? And I said five minutes. And then internally, what I said was like, I'd like this to be over by like two. And now it is now three. So, ah. Uh, Doing it, doing it right. I'm Austin Walker. You can find me at Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. You can write us uh, uh, email that we might read, and then go off into a huge political tangent for 30 minutes uh, at gamingadvice.com. Where can people find you, Patrick? On the app, Patrick Clubic. Uh, what about you, Rob? Uh, at Rob Zachney. Uh, and what about uh, the website? Website you can find at waypoint.vice.com. <laughs> Answer our questions website. That's it. You can also find us at twitch.tv slash waypoint. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice. You can find uh, that's it. That's all of us. The archives still aren't up yet. They'll, they'll hopefully soon we'll start getting archiving our video stuff again. Um, you can also find the track "Miss You," which Bowen has let us use for the theme song of this of this beautiful show, over at waypoint.vice. Nope, waypoint.zone slash b o e n. I think that's gonna do it for us. I think we've made it out of this. I feel cleansed. I feel powerful. I like said all the words I wanted to say, but didn't know I wanted to say. So thank you, Robin Patrick, for, for being here and being a conduit for us to like get all these bad vibes out. Hopefully we're going to have a good week. We have lots of games to play as we talked about. We'll be back on Friday to talk about those. Until then, be good and be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.